Howdy, this is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And this is the auto podcast that's full of holiday treats and bellies that shake like jelly. Who writes this stuff? Our kids? We need to talk to our writers, our head writer. Yeah. On this episode of Throwing Wrenches, another installment of Race Daily Kill, a very special old Hollywood edition. Ford's got the pre-sales for the F-150 Lightning. And Sony announces a possible challenge to EV maker Tesla. We knew that was coming. Yeah, we did. I hope it comes with a mini-disc player. (laughs) All that and more on this episode of Throwing Wrenches. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, join the fun of the show. Just make sure you email us at info at com. You don't know the joy. It's like Christmas morning when I open my inbox and I see an email from a listener and who usually has something snarky to say. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, Eric didn't know that that uh, Eldorado was front-wheel drive. Right, exactly. I, I didn't, you know. <laughs> That's fine. That's what this is about, sharing, caring, learning, evolving. You know another way you can share, Daryl? Uh, how's that? You can post a review on iTunes. That would be lovely. You know how many reviews we got on iTunes this last two weeks, Daryl? How, how many, Eric? Zero. Uh, not a one? No, not a one. Zip, so, zilch, nada. Frustrated. I, I'm, I'm uh, frustrated, Daryl. As frustrated as you might be if you were dealing with a car with, with a computer in it. You know what? Maybe iTunes has jumped the shark. Is there another platform we should I think, be on? I think Spotify is the hot ticket right now. Spotify. I you know, I'm not going to get into it, but um, hey. Folks, do you know my co-host, Daryl Scott? Have you ever met Daryl Scott? I mean, for most of us, it's, you know, in with the new, out with the old. But with Daryl Scott, that's not quite the case. It's more like in with the old and out with the new. And the Auto Museum of North Peoria, you know, he's not a New World man. He's a Renaissance man. He's Daryl Scott. So please help me drag him into the future, please. Is that a Rush reference? It was a Rush reference. You know, I'm going to listen to that on the way home because that song rocks. You know, thank you. Uh, Eric, for for those who don't know you, you know, when you hear someone dabbles in something, actually it's a hobby, right? You think you maybe woodworking or knitting or painting, something like that. Well, my co-host, quote, dabbles in things like home improvement and TV VCR repair. Meet the man who did order that booklet from Sally Struthers, that infomercial years ago. Yeah, the old people know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? She looks like she's crying right now. I can visualize it. (laughs) She does. Meet that man. He is Mr. Eric Stahl. Why, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I will fix that TV. I see that. I've had some people. Th- you, you actually walked past the. I uh, did. Yeah. Is yeah. it a, so- no, a Sony? Sharp? It's a sh- Sharp Aquas. It was a hell of a TV eight years ago. Well, I mean, eight years. Yeah. Nowadays, I think that's pretty good for an appliance, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what happened? It just sizzled, it's popped? A, and oh, dude. I what was, happened? I was, watching, uh, I was watching my concert video from the, the, for, that I got for Christmas, and I was like three songs in, and all of a sudden, I mean, the loudest pop you ever heard in your life. And I looked around. I'm like looking for like a, a light that blew out, and I don't didn't, see anything. Didn't blow a fuse or anything no, like that? No, no. And I looked, and uh, I'm like, the TV's not on, and the the sound bar's still on. That TV was black, and she was not coming back on. So. Oh, man. So it's a, it's a sharp Aquas. It's an older TV, but there is a board. I, I can actually send the board out and have it repaired for $99. 
And I think that's what I'm going to do. I could buy the new board for 220 but I have time on my hands, so I'm just going to send it out and have it rebuilt. That actually seems cheap yeah. to me for, for what it is because it's a pretty good size TV. Where, yeah. where would you then put it? Because you have I think a plethora my, of TVs. I think my son might make it his Xbox TV. He uses a projector now. Oh. But to have an 80-inch for uh, Xbox, I don't yeah, care, I don't care cool. how old the LCD technology is. It's still pretty good. It had a pretty good refresh rate. So Compared to what, what you and I grew up with, probably a 20-inch <laughs> Nintendo. Dude, I had Pong on a black and white tube TV, so I don't even want to hear it. All right, and I played Pac Man, not Pac Man. I played Pitfall, Harry. Oh yeah, yeah, on black and white because we didn't even have a color TV. So struggle is real. Struggle <laughs> is real. Hey, we also have some sponsors who help this show get along. Daryl, do you know of Fort Toyota Pekin? Yeah, I've heard some murmurings and whisperings yes, about yes, it. Yes, yes. The name Fort comes from Mike Fort, who you may have heard on that last episode. Got some great responses from that. Fort Toyota Pekin has been one of the longest sponsors of this show. Uh, they are a new and used car Toyota dealership in North Pekin, Illinois. They like to say they're 15 minutes from anywhere in the Tri-County area. So if you're in Peoria, Bloomington, Springfield, Galesburg, you name it, they are close enough for you to visit. They're a little bit further out than 15 minutes. Sorry about that. Get online at toyota-pekin.com and check out their new and used inventory. We got some new Tundras. They are selling as soon as they come off the truck. But I tell you what, uh, get your name on the list. Be ready for one of these. I, I got a chance to check out our new off-road one that came nice. and went. It was a gorgeous <laughs> truck. And the customer who bought it was a 300,000-mile Tundra owner from previously. Very nice. And he had the lifetime warranty and he works for like Cullinan's. Oh, okay. He got all the money out of that warranty. So uh, That's great. Anyway, so check out Forts on the web. And you can also check them out on all the socials at Forts Toyota, F-O-R-T-S, Toyota, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, they're there. And you can check them out, toyota-pekin.com on the, on the World Wide Web. Um, check out, seriously, the Tundra. If anybody... That's like the hottest thing. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't that excited about it until... We had a real – we got a work truck, our first truck. And that like, white one. Yeah, yeah I like, stopped by and I saw it. And I'm like, <laughs> even as a base model, the thing's pretty slick. It is pretty slick. But, I mean, steel wheels and just the black and white trim like you and I were talking yeah. about in the pre-show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the pre-show, folks. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, um, thanks to our Patreon supporters. We'll get to you in just a moment yeah. here. But also thanks to our other sponsor uh, with some longevity, if you will, the Casey Law Office. Proud Oldest sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> He is the oldest? He is the oldest sponsor. There you go. There you go. Um, it's not the age. It's the mileage, right, Gabe? Uh, speak to Gabe Casey at the Casey Law Office, proud sponsor here of the Throw and Wrenches podcast. He specializes in consumer law, especially those automotive purchases and repair, any kind of consumer law, home purchases. You bought something, didn't go right, or you had dealings with a contractor and you weren't really too happy about that. Gabe's your guy. Gabe is He's like guy. an attack dog. He is. He is like the pit bull. And I don't mean the Miami rapper. I mean like an actual pit bull. Yeah, he's not like a dog chewing on the ankle. He's, he's the dog like going for the throat, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but in a legal sense. CLOMorton.com. Visit them on the uh, World Wide Web. You can also find them on Facebook, and uh, he will help you get the results you deserve, consultation-free. Get in on uh, that. Also, Arena Esports. Speaking of Xboxes, yeah. any kind of gaming console, any kind of uh, PC gaming, whether it's, you know... VR, it doesn't matter what you're into. Check out Arena Esports in beautiful downtown Morton. They've got a great facility there. Also a great facility if you want to rent that out. They've got tournaments going on all the time, whatever you're into in terms of... I'm uh, thinking how warm it would be in there with those PCs running all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cold outside. Zero degrees out right now to right. go into that cozy cafe. You very, know, very nice. You know, your kids after school and they're, they're cold and they're like, Mom, it's, you know... I want to do something, but I'm going to go play out in the snow because I'm a child of the 21st century. Take him to the, the Cyber Cafe or the Arena Esports and let him play the video games. 
That's right. That's right. It's good stuff there, and uh, they can learn some valuable skills. I feel like Shecky Green. That's right. Let them play the video games. <laughs> the Nickelodeon. Put another nickel in the drum, kids. <laughs> Anyways, you can check them out, 309arena.com, also on the uh, on the gram. Kids love that. While we're thanking people, we want to thank the Patreon subscribers. Uh, Patreon is a way that you can help the show out and uh, get a little extra something-something for yourself. Uh, once again tonight, we recorded another hour of pre-show material that you only get if you're a Patreon subscriber. And uh, we do appreciate that support, especially guys like the dude from Kokomo. So thanks again, everybody, for that Patreon support. Right on. So we talked a little bit about the previous show, which seems like forever ago, but it was just about three, four weeks ago. We, it we, really wasn't that long. I think the holidays made it feel like it's a lifetime. Yeah, I think we recorded that like three days before Christmas or something. <laughs> uh, special thanks to Mike for it and appreciate, obviously, the support of the dealership and also as a nice guy. Uh, Mike Mike is just super cool. It was great to sit down and get to, to know him a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, talk yeah, about I mean, And the years. fun thing was, so I was super nervous. I. Yeah. I, I told one of his his sons uh, was home from from uh, Tennessee you know, for Christmas, mm. and I said, "I'm gonna listen." I'm like, "I'm gonna tell you, I haven't listened to it. I I produced it, I made sure the levels were okay, and I busted that thing up because honestly, I was so nervous doing that show. Yeah, I it didn't know, show. I mean, other than the uh, raining sweat in your forehead the whole time. Yeah, no, I'm no it's just something. I'm it's kidding. just something about you know you you know somebody so well, but you just want to make sure everything's perfect. And uh, and and I knew going into that show what I wanted as far as you know, I wanted to just have casual conversation about sure the trucks and the cars and but you dug in and asked some great questions that I probably wouldn't have done when you were asking like the family stuff and all that. Mm. So Trevor, Mike's son, had actually emailed me or texted me and said. You know, he those questions were he liked those the most. I think cool. So good job. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun to just be human. You know, uh, and, and it's even if somebody is a quote subject matter expert. You know, sure you can bring them on and talk about. Let's talk about the automotive yeah. dealerships right. and talk about the industry and all that, and that's fine. Uh, but also on a human level, like what do you do when you're not at work? Well, it turns out Mike's like us. He likes playing with cars and doing yeah. cool stuff and traveling. I mean, yeah. you kind of kindred spirits in that regard. Yeah. You guys put some miles on stuff over the years. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't think either of us has a fear of getting in the car and driving somewhere. Where is that, California? Yeah, I'll be there two days. No problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it was a great show, and I really enjoyed it. And I, the feedback in general, uh, I got an email from Joe. Or, or actually, it was on Instagram, and he was like, "I will drive from Chicago just to buy a car from that guy." Awesome. You know, he's like the. Uh, anytime you have an owner, and I and I talk about this so much on the show about working in a dealership where we actually are involved with the SCCA and do mm-hmm. stuff like the Total Land Cruiser Association, and how rare that is, and it's it's awesome when you have a listener, and I'm sure other listeners are out there who don't vocalize it, but he 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 heard that and he took off with. It. He's like, you know. Nobody does that stuff anymore, and I That's agree rare. completely. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I try and call out other dealers for not doing that stuff. But you're either a car guy or you're not, right? Yeah, you have to be an, a, a brand ambassador, or you're just an owner who happens to sell this. Yeah, you know, my dad, my dad had a car dealership, so I sell cars. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you could sell washing machines. You'd, same thing. But what are you passionate about? Yeah, and that definitely shines through with Mike. So uh, appreciate him taking the time and uh, talking to to everybody just a couple of days before Christmas. I know it's a busy schedule, and uh, it feels yeah. like we squeaked that one out just before the holidays. We did. But yeah. hopefully everybody had some road time. I know even if you didn't travel, you had some time to yourself. Yeah, and Mike is out of town. So that was one of the reasons we eked it out, too. He was literally going to Florida right after Christmas. So we just, like, yeah. we busted that show out, like, instantly. <laughs> and the weather was terrible. I mean, as I recall, it was uh, yeah, getting it was. ready to have all the ice storms and all that stuff. But 
Anyway. All right. So, Daryl, you ready for this? I am going to go retro on you on the Race Daily Kill. I got a great one, Daryl. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I actually bought it on Blu-ray up at Mega Replay a couple weeks ago. That's a great film. Have you seen it before? No. It's the first time I'd watched it. And I knew I'd, and I knew when it was in the theater that I should watch this movie, but I, I didn't. Same thing. so stupid. I don't know why. You know why? Because that – uh, that Deadly Seven movie was probably the, the biggest stinker that Tarantino's put out in years. Was that like the Gunslingers? Yeah, where they were all – it's a one-room, like one-camera movie where Kurt Russell and all those guys were in one room snowed in. I think we shut that off. It wasn't good. And so I thought, you know what? He's lost his edge. And I think this movie came out after that. Shame on me because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a great movie. It's mm. a little off. But and if you don't know the history of what's going on, you maybe should just do a little – a little brush up on some Hollywood history from that era because my wife didn't know what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. But what I didn't expect was to see this 1966 Cadillac Coupe de Ville that Brad Pitt was going to be toting Leonardo DiCaprio around in. And that car was hot. Yeah, it the was, yellow one. It, it was big and long and the patina and just the color of the car. It now, just, is that the same one that's in Reservoir Dogs? I don't believe so. I, I thought it was like Michael Madsen's car that he loaned. Oh, maybe. So the, you have to Google. Yeah, the, do, yeah, we'll so, check on. So here's what I did, Daryl. I, I took three Tarantino movies. Now, one of them okay. is Borderline Tarantino, True Romance. I think he was involved with the writing of that movie. Uh, and yeah. he may have had some production value in it. But there was a 1974 Cadillac Fleetwood Eldorado convertible. It was almost a purplish color, almost looked like a Mary Kay car. Yep. Uh, and there's a scene where... Oh, God. Christian Slater. Christian Slater goes blazing out of the hotel parking lot and just puts it – does a neutral drop and the front wheels just start smoking. (laughs) And I look at it like a second time and I go, that car's front wheel drive. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, And and then that's one of the selections. And then the 1966 Cadillac Coupe de Ville is from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then – the most famous car probably from any of these movies that most of our listeners are going to know is the 1974 Chevy Nova that Vincent Vega and his partner were driving mm-hmm. when they shot their, their friend in the back seat. Their friend Marvin. Yes, Marvin. Marvin. <laughs> I shot Marvin in the face. It's <laughs> a great line. Great line. So, Daryl, I propose these three classic cars from Quentin Tarantino movies. Wow. Which one would you race? Which one would you daily? And which one would you kill? And I'll let you go first since I've been doing all the talking. Here. I will say this is probably the most obscure race daily kill selection, but I appreciate that because you merged both of our loves, um, weird movies yeah. and, and vehicles. And everybody looks at Tarantino movies differently. And he's not a car guy, I don't think. I, I think there's a – actually, I watched some of the, uh, the, the movie extras on the DVD or the uh-huh. Blu-ray. And I think he is a bit of a car guy. So there's a little bit of that. He definitely has an eye for it. Yeah. So so all of these selections are great. And I will say my wife and I, the same thing with Once Upon a Time. We're like, I don't want to see it in the theater and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We saw it, I think, during COVID, like first lockdown. We, we watched Netflix for like six years, it felt like. And, and we watched that. And it's like the greatest homage to Hollywood. And I love – I love everything about that movie, but I was mesmerized, mesmerized by that caddy. Yes. That, that Coupe de Ville yes. is just cruising like in front of like uh, Grauman's Theater and yes. all the yes. – oh. Even when he pulls into the compound and he pulls it like in the middle, just right yeah. up the middle, I'm like, that car is pretty. Yeah. It's a, it's a land yacht. It's just framed in every other sh- scene. The thing is in the background. Even the, the scenes where he, like DiCaprio's character is like – you just see his driveway of his mansion in yeah. the Hollywood Hills and yeah. the, the Cadillac's taking up most of the thing. <laughs> Okay, so I, having said that, of your three choices, 
I would probably say I'd race the Nova, and here's why. My dad had Novas. In fact, his first car was a 73 that he bought himself new, 73 Nova. So every time we see a Nova in a TV show or something, oh, a Nova. I like the Nova. It's nimble. It's quick. Even though this thing, I probably had a 307 or 350. I mean, nothing fancy. Cool car. I like the Nova. I'd have to clean it up a little bit better than Jules and uh, what the heck was um, Vincent. 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 Jules and Vincent yeah, Jill, yeah, cleaned Jules, up. Yeah. Because the car was, was pretty – if you remember the movie, it's pretty gross <laughs> in that scene. Towels I need, or blankets. I need lots of blankets. <laughs> Gentlemen, pretty please with a cherry on top and sugar. Clean the car. Uh, I would race the Nova. Number two, I would have to daily that 66 Caddy because I'm not a Brad Pitt. But I think I would look more like a Brad Pitt driving a 66 Caddy through Hollywood. Man, you're stealing my thunder. Same logic. <laughs> I'd also have to lo- like lose 240 pounds. <laughs> uh, and that, sadly, I love the Eldorado, like the one in True Romance. By the way, that movie is probably the most violent movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Incredible. James Gandolfini, a very young. Yes, beating the crap out of Juliet Lewis. Is that? No. Uh, no, no, no. Who Pat- is? Patricia, no. Patricia Arquette. No, Patricia Arquette's. It's Patricia Arquette. Is it? Swear to God. Mm. Yeah, because that was the first time I saw her, and I'm like, who's this? It's another Arquette. Okay. Um, <laughs> not Rosanna. Not David. The other one. Um, not Alexis. So this thing, I would say kill the Eldorado for the sake of the – out of all the cars in your lineup, this thing has the biggest motor, 500 cubic inch motor. Putting out a, a whopping 210 horsepower. <laughs> it's so but weak. the 380-foot torque, I mean that's the best part. When I when we do cars nowadays, it's like, yeah. oh, the horsepower and the torque are like the exact same number. Horsepower 210, torque 380. I mean, it's double. It's, it's awesome. Just, it's, it makes no sense. The yeah. math doesn't. The math doesn't work. Um, unfortunately, it's love like caddies. A, it's like a bumblebee. It shouldn't fly, but it does. Yeah, exactly. So that that would be my choice. I'm curious to hear yours and how they line up. Well, okay. So I have to start with the racing aspect of this, and I'm going to race the El Dorado because I <laughs> love that smoke show that Christian Slater put on. So I want to go blazing around the track with that front wheel drive, just making a smoke show. And people looking at me sideways the same way I did. So I'm. I'm racing the Eldo. Fair. fair. And uh, and I'm going to daily the DeVille because just like you, I hope that I look a little bit like Brad Pitt, just cruising slowly. Even with that hard top, I don't care. I want people to process and look at me like, that's a cool dude right there. Is he there. wearing Hawaiian shirts in the movie? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. yeah. Do you uh, own a Hawaiian shirt? Uh, I, I, used, I used to be really into Hawaiian shirts. Okay. I used to be like into loud shirts. Not my thing anymore. All right. And I'd kill the Nova because Daryl is a shill for Toyota, as everybody knows. If it's not a Nova Rolla from the late 80s, <laughs> it's not a Nova to me. So you know what? That's not the car. Oh, all right. That's fair. That's fair. Kudos for putting that one. That lineup is so jacked up. We'd love to hear your opinions too. So if you have some thoughts on this, please share them. I would love to see you in an Eldo doing a burnout in a motel parking lot. (laughs) I think I think that's in your future with a briefcase full of coke. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know. not. Uh, <laughs> You'd have a briefcase full of something. What would you? I don't know. So what's contraband? I don't know. It, it, in my life, it, it's probably going to be like my Carbs. kids' Pokemon cars or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, so in other words, and that's that's fantasy land. What are you working on in real life these days? Well, the weather. Uh, gets I had a couple terrible. projects, and I, I don't want to hog. I always hog the show, but fortunately, I haven't done any big trips or anything late, lately, so I don't do that. Um, I got some LEDs for Treehugger 3.0. We still haven't put on because fortunately the shop's been really busy. So yeah, I got four corner lights for that. I'm looking forward to getting those done. Who did uh, you, you get them from? Uh, they might be Rough Country. Rough Country had a really, really nice uh, digital uh, button system. And so we're going to use their lights and everything on there. I'm not they're, a huge fan of Rough Country in the past, but they, they've really stepped up their stuff. They have stepped up their game. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, their switch panels are starting to look really good. Um, yeah. I've seen, I hate to say this, seat covers. 
I've seen some rough country seat covers that yeah. I've considered buying for the Tundra yeah. just because they, they look good. Well, I think the, the, the price point has come down on almost everything in this in this this area. I mean, it used to be that uh, that lifts and the high-end suspension parts were super expensive. Mm. And I think the price is coming down because there's so many manufacturers. The competition is just all – nobody's making big markups in these things anymore. Yeah. So I think Rough Country said, hey, look at us. We have a big name and we can sell our stuff and make a little bit of money because they were always the cheapest anyway for the most part. Right. But they have some nice uh, forged – uh, upper control arms and some other stuff we've seen lately. Great. I'm not. I'm not a uh, detractor anymore. Let's put it that way. Good. 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 Uh, I'm fighting off the millions of offers on my Scion TC. Are you close? Because it seemed like you had a little flurry. I did. I did. And then, oh, dude. So we were cleaning the shop, and I found a, like three boxes of stuff for that car. I found the back seat. I found the carpet. So now this this becomes a question: Am I better off to just rebuild the whole interior of that car and make it look like it originally did? Maybe I might be. Maybe so. I might. I might just. Why don't put... you just keep it? Why don't you just keep <sighs> it and turn it into an autocross toy, <laughs> like like God intended? That's what I. That's what I would love to see for that. <laughs> well, I'll wait till my car of the week because uh, I okay. might just. I might just have another selection for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, I, I am working on that TV. That's my bigger project right now, and then. What should come across my radar but the cheese freeze up in Madison, Wisconsin? It's a time speed rally. Uh, it used to be from Cheese Wheel Inc., but I think a local Subaru club has taken over the the event. So the time speed rally, if you know what those are, I'm not going to get too deep into that. But the cheese freeze is in the Driftless region up in Wisconsin. It's in southwest Wisconsin. It, it's five hours and 120 miles of Back roads, snow-covered, ice-covered country roads. Pretty serious. And it is fun. I did it one time with Angela. I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take Tree Hugger 1.0. Yeah. She's going to make another venture up there. And I'm I'm telling you what, even thinking about it makes me smile. And and the wife is like, let's do it. It's 100 bucks. It's uh, the end of January. Anybody else wants to come along, please do. I, I, it may actually, with COVID and everything getting repopular again, it may mm-hmm. actually sell out. So. If you want to get involved with it, do it. I can see that. And you had a blast. I remember seeing, uh, dude, the videos. The my videos wife screaming in the other back <laughs> in the side. <laughs> That's fantastic, though. Yeah. It, 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 what else are you going to do on a on a cold midwestern? Was it Saturday? End of January. Yeah, January twenty ninth. It's either a Saturday or Sunday. Starts at they start at late. They're starting at like eleven o'clock, and it ends at five. Which I, you know, it's going to be dark. I, I will tell you this: the driving those country roads in the dark. Holy crap! That I almost need to think about getting another light bar on, on like the front bumper or something because it was yeah. a little sketchy there towards the end of the day. I was, I was aiming my upper LEDs, you know, at the Trying road to get it. Yes, yeah. anything I could get. Did you have rock lights on Tree Hugger One? No, no, okay. no. Just just those. Uh, I had the the rack lights. Oh, I had two yeah, two roof. little sponsons that I could like like aim. Gotcha. Well, kudos for you. I hope you do it. They 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 didn't do it last year at all, right? No, they they and it's like I said, uh, Subaru Club is running it now, so it's okay. not the uh, the cheese cheese wheel incorporated or whoever. They, it was always for charity, and these guys are super cool. They run around with a Yeti, you know. They take pictures, and uh, <laughs> I just I'm telling you, man. There's some we we do time speed rallies out in the countryside. You know, we did them in Champagne, did them up Madison, but there's something about the variables. I mean, I pulled mm-hmm. three guys out of the drift. You know, drifted snow. These guys driving like uh, rear wheel drive BMWs with like cattle catchers on the front of them and stuff that they welded together. Guys get a little crazy <laughs> in the snow, and it's fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Look for lots of pictures of that. Yeah, awesome. What about, okay, so enough about me, Daryl. What's going on in the Scott Auto Museum in North Peoria? Nothing. I'm cold and lazy and don't have a heated shop. So. Oh, it's not heated? No. 
No, it's not insulator heated. I I thought about doing that and I'm like, I need to finish my stupid house project before I <laughs> heat insulate and you know beautify my garage. No, but what I've been doing is basically just living vicariously through people who have nice shops. Um <laughs> Because this weather's been brutal here in the Midwest, uh, but I did get some silicone wiper blades on the Tundra, and I've I had some of those years ago on another vehicle. I don't even remember which one, and I'm like, they were so expensive. I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, silicone does nothing really sticks to it, yeah. And that's what's great is even the winter wiper blades. My dad, when I was a kid, used to always get he'd take the car snow in, blades, get with the, 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 the vinyl cover on yeah. them. <laughs> And they always to, – to me, those These always – These are what the Sherpas use up in the Himalayas. Well, they reminded me of – do you remember like the totes slip on the rubber covers like your grandpa used to put on his shoes? Dickies. Dickies. Those Dickies? We called them – well, they were made or, by no, totes. No, they called them uh, – no, my, my dad wore them and he called them uh, tingly, tingly rubbers or something. We, yeah, we, my great-grandpa called them his rubbers. I'm yes, going to put my yes. rubbers on my shoes because yeah, it's yeah. whatever. Tingly rubbers is what the brand – it was Tingly was the brand. Was the company. Yes. Yeah, he would take his penny loafers and then cover them with these giant shoe rubber things. And and I never understood that because they seemed harder to get on the shoes. Anyways, my point being that's what those wipers reminded me of. And I don't see those anymore. They probably are a thing, but whatever. But I'm like, silicone. I've been having trouble with um, all our vehicles, any kind of condensation. Um, the, the windows freeze in the channel. Yeah. And it's not a problem normally, but now I work and I park in a parking deck. I work downtown. And so I have to roll the window down, up and down every every morning. And I got to make sure to get out there and heat it up. And I've tried the polymer. I've tried. But you have a four car garage, Daryl. <sighs> is, there, is there any room in my garage? <laughs> no, there's no room. Just checked. Uh, there's not. So that's my new struggle. So I'm like, I'm going to do the wiper blades. I'm going to put that in silicone. And I found food grade. This sounds weird. I didn't know this was a thing. Food grade silicone spray. Is that Pam? Well, that's what I thought. I'm like, is it like cooking oil? No, it's what they spray like the slicers at the deli. Oh, or, okay. Um, any kind of any kind of machinery that handles food, they spray with this food grade stuff. Now, should you eat silicone? No. Am I worried about eating silicone? Maybe. <laughs> Where is this going? But. Um, I, I want to be able, I'll tell you that. I want to be able to spray the channels of all the windows so that in the Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. This is one of those stupid things nobody talks about. But like in the wintertime, they always say like make sure you silicone spray all your door seals and stuff. And I'm thinking like the weather stripping because yeah. I've everybody's had those where you the car door yeah. freezes yeah. in an ice storm. That sucks. They don't talk about the windows. And this has only been a thing for me because I don't go to drive-throughs that much, despite my size. I'm going to like I'm not a Burger King like go oh, take a sandwich on a daily basis, or at a bank teller. I, I was walking. You're, you're, you're unloading a lot of guilt. We won't I judge. Am, we're not judging you. Somebody. Is. This is an audio show, by the way. It is good. Yeah. Good. Good. Nobody can tell you're you're one ten and svelte. I'm. <laughs> I'm Brad Pitt in a Hawaiian shirt with a Cadillac. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm extolling the virtues of silicone, wipers, sprays, and all kinds of accessories. That's what I'm doing. No, it's true. And uh, the Sienna vans, I mean the slider doors, you know how many people are like, I can't get my door open. If you just put a it's little a of that thing. preventative grease on there, yeah, it would help it out a ton. Do you uh, – I was going to say, how much do you – this is just like a real light coat? Yeah, just spray it and then wipe it with a rag. I mean I don't like, I don't like to leave it soggy like – Dripping all over the place, but yeah. Do you remember the like every time? Again, I'm like going back to my childhood, but every time my old man would take a car in 
and get serviced when I was a kid. They'd spray all the uh, oh, we lubed up all the doors, Mister Scott, and the fuel doors and all that. It was like the the uh, That's old school was the white lithium. Yep, they just and you could yeah. tell all the jam yeah. switches, everything was just and white dust lithium. Just stuck to it a month later. Yeah, it looked great. Like he's like, oh, that did something. And then yeah, like you said, a month later, it it looks terrible. It looks like somebody made like sandcastles in your doors. You know, the best thing I ever did. Like, <laughs> let me this is a side. This, this is a weird tangent. In, in I'm the sorry. weird cra- in the finely crafted show notes, this is not listed in there. But years ago, when I was a kid, a small child, uh, I thought that I could kill all the bugs on the front porch with WD forty. It did kill the animal, you know, killed the bugs. It works. But on the metal screens, what it did is it left marks all over. It caused oh. some kind of corrosion because the moisture sat on it or something. So my dad could see every spot where I'd like sprayed the bugs. Like a, a month later, what did you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I killed some bugs. What did you use? WD-40. <laughs> I think every – how old were you? Probably like eight? Probably, yeah, probably something like that. So I think every kid goes through, every, every kid goes through that if they're a weirdo like us. I, I had the same thing. My dad, when, when WD-40 was kind of a thing, it's been a thing forever. But yeah. like I think the first time I noticed it – It had a it, straw. It made it cool. Yeah. I saw it sit in my dad's workshop. In the garage in our old house and I had a Schwinn. And I remember my friend Lance always instilled in me, you always want to oil your chain. Make sure you check your chain before you go out and check your – you know. So I was a little kid and I'm trying to do what my dad does, like take care of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I took the can of WD-40 and I just shot it all over the chain and I like, you know, was moving it. And I'm like, cool. All right. My chain's good. Hey, this makes everything look shiny. I WD-40'd the hell out of my bike, the whole <laughs> bike. And I remember like thinking halfway through like – uh oh, is is this wrong? Is this yeah. wrong? Did yeah. I ruin it or something? I just got a rag and like polished it up. And then I remember like riding the bike for like a week, and I was like falling off, and like the <laughs> handlebars were greasy, like <laughs> the pedals I was slipping the, off. The, the, rubber, the rubber started breaking down in the handles. It was so bad. So I'm saying this to say that's probably where my fear of spraying silicone over everything comes from. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking through yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this has been a great moment in uh, in uh, WD40 history. Yes. What do I owe you, doctor, for yeah, the therapy right, session? Right. All right. Anyways, well, you know, with with all that, all of our personal <laughs> personal stories unloaded. Yeah, my dad still loves me. I think. You know, yeah. I, I got to go talk to somebody about it. But let's get on to what the show is all about, Daryl. The news. Thank you. Thank you. Keeping us on. All right. You ready for this, Daryl? How about some world news? After years, I'm sorry. After years of boasts over the exploding size of their infotainment screens, automakers seem to have collectively moved onto a measuring contest with which to extol their own virtues. Third row real estate across Hmm. the industry. There's a growing list of growing crossovers and SUVs, vehicles that either have third rows and are now adding inches specifically to their third row or a longstanding second-row vehicle that are growing into seven-seaters from five-seaters. That's an automotive news. We'll share that article. Everything seems to grow. You have a Highlander. Yeah. And the Highlander started off as a five-person vehicle (laughs) back in the mid-2000s. And that's a perfect example. It's almost grown to minivan status with its newest generation. You got the previous generation before they grew it even more. Yeah. 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 And we're starting to see more and more of this. And But then what do we do? We come out with smaller SUVs. We got the Corolla Cross that just came out. And, I, and I'm sorry, folks. I talk in Toyotas because that's what I know. But every manufacturer is doing this. It's true. They keep growing stuff. It's true. And, and if you look at the average size – I remember my mom had an Olds Bravada, which was like a – basically a blazer with leather. Okay. And I remember that was a 97. And when we were kids, the whole family fit in there just fine. We didn't think anything of it. It was like – it was not a minivan, but it was yeah. a pretty good size. 
if you look at an S10 Blazer next to like the Highlander, it looks like a kid's car. <laughs> it does. You're right. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, but what happened was we got smarter about how we built them and we got smarter about the platforms that we that we shared. So like that thing got 18 miles per gallon on a good day on a highway, right? Mm-hmm. Empty in a crosswind or whatever, <laughs> a tailwind. And the Highlander, I think we went to Florida, I got 29. So, you know, we've 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 doubled the size of the interior volume. We've made the thing bigger. It's more comfortable ride. We get much better mileage. I don't see the I don't see the issue, but the issue still is that stigma like I don't want to drive a minivan. You I, get th- I think that's what it comes down to. It, I, yeah. It's like I, I need more space for, quote, our family or for yeah. stuff. In our instance, it's, you know, we got bigger, older family. It's easier to get something. You know, my parents are whatever, in and out of the vehicle with bigger doors, a bigger back seat, more room. But then I'm like, why don't we just get a damn minivan? It's like my wife's like, I will never, <laughs> ever, ever have a van. We don't have kids. I don't but want you have a dog. Van. I mean, Gemma needs some place to hang out. Seriously, you have a little little dog bed back there. I mean, what if I pick up my big block that's out of the machine shop? <laughs> I could use You're it. You're more of a cargo van kind of guy. I'm I'm a van without windows kind yeah, of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, here's what we do: we buy a Sprinter between us. We make it the throwing wrenches van, and then I'll just I'll I'll use it to go camping. I like this. And then you can use it to like put a hoist in there to like lift up heavy engine parts. And uh, I'll just brush out that the, the scraps of metal and stuff laying on the floor. Right. Yeah. And you know, and when we're not using it, we can put it on Airbnb. Oh, we can put it on Turo. We can put it on Turo and let people rent it. Slash live in it. <laughs> in a van. Eric, you are a... <laughs> All right. Well, All right. You, have you, got 80, here. you got 80 grand laying around? No. We've no. seen a few more Patreon subscribers. we got this handled. I have 800. <laughs> Eight, did you know that Chrysler's going to go all EV by 2028, Daryl? That seems aggressive. It no. does. Because they, they could have waited until 2030, but it's not, they're instead going to go 2028. Anyway, the future of Chrysler brand was murky when Fiat Chrysler Automobiles merged with France's PSA Group in 2021 to form... Stellantis. Stellantis. If you have a condition, please consult your doctor. <laughs> One year later, the vision is much sharper. The product star brand plans to debut its first battery electric models by 2025, and it will eliminate internal combustion engines by 2028. Stellantis is providing a glimpse of the road ahead, an electric crossover concept called the Chrysler Airflow being revealed Wednesday at CES in Las Vegas. This is uh, from Automotive News. Did you see that reveal, Daryl? I did. I did. So the CES, of course, the Consumer Electronics Show out in Vegas. Uh, yeah, my friend Alex is out there and was working that event. I saw some pictures of the airflow. By the way, nice throwback. That's an old... Yeah, I was going to ask you. That name sounds retro. It is. It's uh, it, it came out in 1930. Don't quote me on this. I think it's 33 or 34 as a... Um, kind of a, a streamline. What do you call it? Like a, like a streamline design that was unveiled actually at the 1933 Chicago World's wow. Fair. <laughs> Beautiful car, Mike unibody. Fort, Mike Fort was laughing right now. At that he's thing. he's yeah. like, oh, he's right. Yeah. Um, that thing was a beautiful car. You know what happened though? That didn't get adopted. So they had the regular Chrysler, kind of like Gabe's Chrysler, which was kind of your traditional, yeah. for lack of a better phrase, like a Model A looking car. Sure. Big radiator shell, yeah. chrome grill. Bug eyes, right? The airflow looked like something out of a uh, a, f- a futuristic movie. Very swoopy, very Art Deco lines. This waterfall grill. Um, it was a very beautiful car, but the people weren't ready for it. Much like Marty McFly's Rock and Roll, <laughs> they weren't. Your kids are gonna love hey, it. Hey, Chuck, Chuck, listen yeah. to this kid. It's your cousin Marvin Barry. <laughs> So this Chrysler Airflow came out and it was a total flop. So they did it like three or four years and then they went back to just making regular cars. Okay, 
I think that's what this is going to be. Chrysler has been um, very – sorry, Stellantis. Stellantis has been very, very quiet on any kind of electric stuff. In fact, Chrysler, I think, in the last four or five years has doubled down on like the uh, – I want to say the, the getter done crowd where it's like just put a Hellcat motor in everything. <laughs> just go ahead. <laughs> New worked. Jeep, put a Hellcat motor. Get, get this thing yeah. 700 horsepower. Yeah. And that's cool. Grand Cherokee, do zero to 60 in four seconds. Yep, we got it. Which is – it's fantastic. I don't see much future in that. This seems super aggressive, ag- aggressive timeline. I mean we're talking six model years. They're going to have all ICEs <laughs> off the road for new models. Doubtful because we haven't heard anything. We don't know yeah. what's been in R&D, what's been in development. That's, you know, when you put it that way, to think six years from now, not going to sell an internal combustion engine, give me a break. No, there's no way. There's no infrastructure. We have no infrastructure. In the next six years, you know how many charging stations we have to have? Yeah. The power plants are not ready for it. There's no way. Not in our neck of the woods. No, here in the Midwest. Now, again, uh, one of the discussions, uh, I think we were talking the pre-show. My uncle was asking about Rivians and stuff over Christmas. And he and he travels. He's on the road. Got a lot of windshield time on the road. Uh, he's a paint salesman for Diamond Vogel. And he's like, uh, I've noticed Tesla charging stations in places I've never noticed before. And a lot of investment in the infrastructure and charging stations. But he goes, again, being, you know, I'm on the road. I don't see that being a viable option. He's like, I need to stop, put gas in the car, and keep going another 200 miles. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to – like if everybody's driving electric cars, I don't see how how that's going to be possible. You can hang out at the coffee shop. Yeah, right. You know, there was a story. We didn't share it. Uh, there was a cannonball run attempt and, and the success of the fastest EV car across the country. I don't know if you read anything on that, but they drove a, a Tesla Model S – and, the big sedan. Or, or a three. I, it was a three or an S, but what they did is they stopped and did 20-minute charges. And I guess as they drove – you can do a 20-minute charge on a Tesla on their superchargers and get like 30 or 40 percent of the battery. That's the most effective way to charge that car. To get a full 100 percent, you need hours of charging. So, so it's kind of like when you're <laughs> when you're at work and you just plug your cell phone in for like fifteen 10, 10, minutes. 15 minutes, you're gonna get through the rest of the day, and yeah. you go back yeah. on Buzzfeed. Yeah, yeah but then, <laughs> but then Apple tells you for the most effective charging, leave this on overnight. Right. right. Yeah. Do you see Chrysler ever being a pioneer in uh, the EV industry? No, I do not. All right, cool. All right, me neither. <laughs> but you know what? It's not in the in the articles here. Uh, they did ink a deal for Ram vans for delivery vans for Amazon. And they're going to do their really. They're, they're going to do their hybrid or EV Ram. Okay, yeah. So but that, that was the playing field and, that Rivian was, on. and that's what drug Rivian stock down this last week. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because okay. people are like, what do you mean Amazon's going to buy stuff from other people besides Rivian? All of a sudden, the stock went down ten percent. Awesome. So, so that's a double hit. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, speaking of other uh, electric vehicle makers and challenges, and, and what do you call them? Um, uh, uh, disruptors. Can you, can you the call them an upstart? I don't think you can call these guys an upstart. I don't think so. But we can't call them pioneers because they're awesome. Sony. Sony's got a lot of brand recognition, right? This is something, Eric, you called I, months I, ago. I did. It okay. was uh, probably eight or ten months ago. I'm like, this is suspicious. Don't give me this crap. You don't build a car to test the radio system. Oh, we're just checking infotainment. No, wrong. <laughs> Sony, that's right, of Walkman fame and Discman fame, uh, actually announced that their Vision S electric SUV is going to start challenging Tesla. And that was another um, consumer electronics show, Vegas debut. Shoney's going to show off their, uh, their prototype vehicle. Nice-looking car, by the way. I'll say that we got a picture here. I like it. All glass roof, four to seven passengers. Yeah, nice looking. Almost kind of looks like a cross between a a late model Ford Edge, a Tesla, and 
I don't know. It could be an X, a Tesla X type thing. Nice, nice looking little rig. But Sony actually they caused quite a splash, and this is according to Tom's Guide, like a tech a tech publication. They caused quite a splash at CES this year, and they rolled out a prototype a couple years ago for a press conference talking about some car infotainment they were testing, whatever. But they updated that. And there's some surprising news. Sony could soon get into the car business. Specifically, they're saying the former new they're forming a new company called Sony Mobility, and that's going to kick off here in the spring. The goal is to bring Sony's technological flair to the automotive world. In theory, that means Sony could work with automakers to incorporate a lot of the mobility advances that the company is experimenting with on its own prototypes. But ultimately, Sony's uh, 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 Kenichiro Yoshida, the CEO of the company, uh, Sony's views, say. They're going to explore the commercial launch of their own vehicle. So five, four to seven passenger, about 5,000 pounds. That seems heavy. Yeah, it's half the size of a Rivian, though. I mean, aren't they close? In? I mean, they're, they're, they're seven or 8,000 pounds, maybe. Yeah, yeah they're big dogs. Uh, 20, uh, 200 kilowatt hour, um, uh, t- 200 kilowatts, sorry, t- twin motor. So it's what, like a Tesla. Whatever that means, yeah, okay. Um, and then the... What does VMAX set the top speed? Yeah, I, I, whatever VMAX is. Yeah, they got an all-wheel drive. I, here's my thing. I, I'm going to tell you this, Daryl. I mm. went shopping for TVs this last week because, yeah. as you know, we blew up a TV. Yeah. And my wife was not going to wait two weeks patiently for me to, to fix that TV. I can fix it. I can fix it, honey. You know, a friend of mine said, there's one thing I can guarantee about that TV. It'll never be fixed. I'm like, I'm going to prove that guy wrong. But it's going to take a couple weeks to prove him wrong. Sure. So in the meantime, we go to Costco and we look at TVs. And I really want a Sony because I got the Sony mouse right here that I had to dig up because I I don't know what I'd do with my mouse. That's classic. It's not even – It's made in Japan. It's got the memory Mm -hmm. stick reader, the old Klee. Are you serious? Yes. You know why? Because it says made in Japan. This mouse will last forever. It's probably from as 2002. Of, as a matter of fact, this laser could probably do damage, retinal <laughs> damage. Wow. <laughs> is that a welder? But, and that? so when I was out shopping for a TV, I'm like, you know, I want the Sony, the Bravia or whatever they got. I don't mm-hmm. even know what they're called anymore. And um, it was about the same price as the LG. I'm trying to think what the other brand, Samsung. Oh, yeah. But when it came down to it, I bought an LG. Because the the Sony was more expensive and for less technology, the Sony car is probably going to be a one hundred percent Japanese. It's, prob- if you it's go, probably going to be awesome. If you go to every diode and every ECU in this car, it's probably one hundred percent Japanese, yeah. and that will be amazing. But I don't know how they can be competitive. I think I don't. Is it is it uniquely American? Because I I think worldwide Sony still has that name. Like oh, that's like the gold standard. It does it. I think Cause so. Because I, uh, I have I have some Sony wireless head earbuds, and everybody looks at me like I'm a dinosaur because they all got Apple or Bose. Yeah, but they're they're trash. But no, <laughs> the people, not the product. Okay. No, what I'm what I'm saying though is I think I think Sony does, and it depends on the industry too. Like uh, coming from a background in broadcasting, Sony. If you needed a CD player, a good monitor, a good set of professional headphones, you got Sony's. Otherwise, yeah. forget it. And we had CD players when I worked in radio. We had CD players that were consumer grade that we still ran in a in a day to day operation, and they were twenty five years old and they still worked flawlessly. The only thing we ever had to do was replace the belt that drove the little eject, the, the what we call okay. the elevator, yeah. that would that would move the the CD in and out. The only thing that on those things that would break. Would be the belts, rubber. That's it, and yeah. you could buy a bag of them for like twenty bucks. Yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, maybe we're unique. I think 
in, in, in that regard. Sony still has such a presence. Anybody says Sony uh, worldwide, they see the logo, they know what it is. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it the way I see it. You know, when I was a Maybe. kid, I saw it with uh, like car radios and I saw it with other technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe in the rest of the world they might have that. But I, the Korean brands. You know, Samsung, LG. Yeah. Sam- yeah um, I, I mean, they're eating their, they have to be eating their lunch. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation still has you know a lot of weight. People are right. you know still looking for those. Ultimately, who's going to be selling this car? Do I go to Best Buy to buy a Sony car? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, and 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 to be fair, that's not a bad outlet. If I can buy a Sony car, and there's a, there's a car there, and there's a service yeah. center, it's built yeah. into a retail outlet. All it, you've already got built-in marketing all across country. Maybe that's one way to avoid building a dealer network. Anybody who's used to yeah. selling a Sony Sony Electronics yeah. at, a, at a level, I'm not saying like you yeah. could walk into Walmart and get a Sony, uh, but. I think you're exactly right. I think you're onto something. Well, I was on onto this before, so we'll mm. see. We'll see if I if I continue to be right. But I still, I Sony's track record, even with the PlayStation, has never been stellar. So for them to try and stick their foot in this, I think they'd be better off making segways. But we'll see how this goes. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to see how that how that unfolds, and not only here but worldwide. Because again, I, I like looking at it from that global perspective. I think we've gotten mired in so much of. What EVs are going to mean here in terms of the U.S. and legislation and mandates and all that crap? But to be honest, around the world, what is an EV like? Sony EVs, any kind of EV. What does that mean in countries like India or uh, China or South Africa? Do they have the same concerns about infrastructure and range anxiety? And do they have all those same things, or are we not even considering that yet? I don't know. That's I don't know either. I, it's uh, time will tell. Yep, yep, yep. All right. In national news, Daryl, were you aware of this I-95 pileup in the snow? I saw some pictures on social media yeah, about we'll, it. We'll share an article. It was last week, and this is a local news storm, but news story, but a storm paralyzed traffic on uh, I-95 in Virginia. It reopened and it let uh, motorists out, but there were people literally spending the night on the road. And so a lot of people piled on this article because they were saying that, oh, if you had an EV, you'd be totally screwed. And I get that. I get that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when a freak storm comes up and you're in the in – the, I mean, you're in Virginia for God's sakes. Yeah, of all places. I mean, if I'm in Colorado, if I'm in Wyoming, they block off the road and they say, hey, don't go any further. But at what point – I mean, man – you think about road-ready cars. You think about mm-hmm. when mom told you you have the blanket in the back and all that stuff. Yeah. How many people do you think had blankets in the back of these cars? <laughs> Probably none. <laughs> I, I will say this. There seems to be a lot of finger-pointing. There, Any kind of natural disaster, I want to say post-Katrina, there's been a lot of like, well, there's no response and how come nobody did this and how come the government <laughs> didn't do this and how come IDOT didn't do this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like here's the thing. If you're taking the family to grandma's house – or you're traveling in the middle of like hurricane season in the south <laughs> on the coast. <laughs> there are certain things that I think you need. And I'm not trying to like – natural disasters are terrible. We've all been – I mean I've driven right, through a right. snowbank, all, right, all, right, all that crap. This is one of those instances where if you are taking a vehicle out and there's weather conditions that are not favorable, it is up to you to make that decision. You are responsible for you, your car, your passengers, your life, your livelihood, everything. 
you can't get stuck there and be like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Get a full tank before you leave the house. <laughs> I, drive, a, I drive on empty so often, man. It's do you really? Oh, all the time. All the time. I just filled up the other night because I was down below a half tank. I was starting to get anxiety. Yeah. And I'm like, it's stupid because I got weeks of life. You know, I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but at the same time, what if? What if I get stuck in a snowbank? Yeah. What if I drive off the road? There's been cases of people like this that get, you know, in, in a condition like the one in Virginia where they, they drive off a, a cliff and they're like cars. They run out of fuel in like two, three days and they got broken legs and they're sitting in a – I mean worst case scenario. This is one of those where like anybody who's got anxiety. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I pulled this article up strictly for Daryl's anxieties. I, as a matter of fact, I might find more people stranded in, our, in articles in the future. I'm so upset right now. I'm so worried. I might be OK on the way home but I don't know. I don't know. No. Do you have a full tank? I do, tonight. My yeah. driveway. You could get stranded in my driveway for 24 hours. Yeah, but I'll just drive over to your neighbor's. Okay. <laughs> That's what I did last year. Your neighbor's driveway was awesome. I think you even told me that. I did. I said, just just cut over there. My driveway is a complete disaster. It's fine. Yeah. No, so, so I mean, any advice? I mean, it, you're, you're one who likes to be prepared. You're a, you're a Boy Scout, right? Yeah, right, right. So what's your motto for folks who are leaving home in the winter season, even in – even in places that they normally wouldn't have to worry about freak snowstorms. Well, I have a uh, refrigerator in the back of tree hugger that has a six pack of beer, so I <laughs> guess that <laughs> didn't expect that, did you? No. <laughs> in case you get thirsty or you need some sustenance, I, you know. Honestly, like you said, read the weather report. But uh, I mean, I to be fair anymore, if it's zero degrees outside, I'll walk outside with a jacket with mm. no gloves, knowing that I have a 12-minute drive to work. I'm like, eh, what's the worst could happen? But really, realistically, the worst could happen is I could slide off the road and my engine could shut down and nobody would help me out or I'd be pinned and I'd have frostbite because yeah. I'm not prepared for the conditions. So, um, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to ask is, is basically the short answer to that question, Daryl. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm not going to prolong this much, but I'll just say this also harkens back to when, when we were younger. I was probably like 18, 19. We were driving somewhere. It was god-awful. It was like a couple days after Christmas and it was like two below. We were probably driving to my grandparents or something. And we were, the whole family was with my parents' van, whatever. And they had they had a little blanket in the back, like a first aid kit under the seat, all this stuff, right? We're sitting in an intersection and a car is turning and a guy is like trying to pass on the shoulder. And like I think he was moving too fast and moved too late and just clipped the back of the car. Put the guy into a tailspin. The other guy hit a something like a tree or something like that. Big accident right in front of my parents, right? And true to form, my brother and I, brother Kyle and I, who we were Boy Scouts together, so we knew first aid and all that crap. We jump out of the car, right? My dad puts his flashes on, goes to the mini mart, calls the police, whatever. This is before cell phones. And he goes, take the blanket, take the blanket. That was the first thing he said, take the blanket. So we grab the blanket out of the back, run over to the car, Everybody's cool. Guys hit the windshield. He's in a Nissan Maxima. I remember this like it was yesterday. Wow. And uh, and it was a guy I went to high school with. He was a couple years older than me. Um, so at the time, I knew him from like he graduated like the year before or something like that. Yeah. Right? And uh, John Growth, I remember his name. And he and uh, he was wearing an Usher's like a like a tuxedo. And I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? He was all trying to drive to work, and I was running late, and like it just it was a bad thing. He yeah. was driving too fast. Uh, it was an ice and everything. He's trying to get to the movie theater and uh, work his shift as an usher, right? Tebow's this guy, and his head's gushing blood, so he put a compress on and all that. But I remember the first thing I did, I'm like, here's a blanket. He's like, oh, I'm cool, I'm cool. 
And then within, it was so cold that within, and he was the same thing. He was just wearing his thing. Didn't have a coat, didn't have gloves, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Car shut off, busted windshield, everything shot, right? First thing I did was cover this the guy with a blanket. And he probably thought, like, what's up with this dude? Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But after about five minutes, he was going into shock and he was, he, I could, we couldn't understand him. Yeah. And I just covered him up with a blanket. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Just, just rest wow. up. We call the police. Like, everything's cool. Ambulance is coming. And it's one of those things. It's such a stupid thing to put a blanket in the back of your car. I swear to God, it saved this dude's life, or at least kept him coherent. This enough. is kind of like the pre-show story I told in the last episode, where I, the kid got denied that merit badge. Was that a was that a pre-show? Wasn't that a pre-show? Was that the regular show where I talked about the uh, Boy Scout who was who helped the kid who was swimming out at Lake Michigan? I don't remember this. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I think I'm pretty sure that was pre-show okay. material. Okay, okay. Did you listen to the last pre-show? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. <laughs> Am I fired? I'll show myself out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you were there, so that's something. Was I? All right, good job, Daryl. I'm gonna I'm gonna submit for that late. Uh, you know, like, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll put it on my sash. Exactly, my brownie sash. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Another national news: Ford's going to double the F-150 Lightning production. Orders open Thursday. Well, I think that was last Thursday when I did the show notes on this. Did you get yours in? I did. I, no. Okay. I, although, you know, I wish I would have got a, an order in for the uh, Bronco because I probably could have flipped that sucker, right? <laughs> probably made 50 grand on it right now. <laughs> anyway, Ford's going to double the production of the F-150 Lightning. And uh, once again, they said, the automaker said Tuesday ahead of the first group of reservation holders, uh, they'll be invited to begin placing orders in an electric pickup truck on Thursday. Increasing production will begin, will bring the output to 150,000 vehicles hmm. per year at the Rouge Electric Vehicle Center in the Blue Oval's hometown. I'm not familiar with the Blue Oval uh, Rouge Electric Center. So that was a it's a historic area where that was one of the early assembly lines for like the Model T's or Model A's or something like that. Yeah. Um, they have since put in like hundreds of billions of dollars into that factory that they launched in like 2005 or something to make the F-150. Okay, and it's humongous. It's one of the newer ones. It's very very nice. Apparently, that's cool. Well, that's from the Detroit News. We'll share that article. And actually, there was another article. I didn't share it uh, on this, but if you mark up a Ford Lightning, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I shared it on our Facebook page, uh, Ford was going to crack down on you. They ding you. Yeah, for, for, for gouging consumers. Yeah, which, uh, you know, let me, let me ask that. You're in the business. I know you're not in sales. You're more in the service yeah. side. Um, but at, at the same time, that's that's not new. What we're seeing now in terms of markup yeah, or like what they call it, market it, adjustments. It's so crazy because it didn't used to happen. Yeah. So, I mean it would happen every once in a while like a weird model or something like that. You get a but, hot but, car. But now yeah. I think that the you know the West Coast and the East Coast are like dragging out cars out of our region. And I, I think – you know, I saw our, a $75,000 sticker on a Tundra. I, and people it, are paying 100000 for RAV Primes. Mm-hmm. A RAV 4 – People are going to pay $100,000 for that in California. Give me a break. Yeah. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, our philosophy, and I and I think Mike kind of talked a little bit about it on the last episode, was we're going to sell local. We want to sell local people. We want to have the, the parts and service business. We want to have these people. We want to have customers for life. Right. And if we're going to sell a car that doesn't come back into our store, you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's like, oh, we're, we got this super hot car so we can mark it up $30,000. That was never the purpose. We got the car so we could retail it here locally first. Yep. But if it doesn't sell locally and the market's super hot and somebody's going to pay for it, well, that that's what we're going to do. But we would never stick it to somebody who lives in, in the Tri-County area. Yeah, know, just because. Just because. Just no, that's bad business. And, and nobody nobody will ever stomach that. Now, I guess I work at Toyota, so I, I'm not – 
What's the hottest thing we've had? The Supra was super, a little bit hot. Because GR Supra probably would have been yeah. something. And, and I, the TRD Tundra, when it comes out this spring with a hybrid, yeah, I will be interested to see what that does. I, I would say that's probably the most potential for something to be marked up, and people might scream across the country for. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, as a kid, I remember seeing like the ZR1 Corvette. Yeah, a local Chevy dealer would maybe bump it up five, ten grand or yeah. something, or would sit in the showroom and be like, "What's it worth?" You know, we'll sit on it for a little bit, and yeah. you know, somebody has to. Well, have hey, it. we got a, a used FJ on the showroom floor that uh, you know, and Gabe made fun of me one time because we had that most expensive FJ in the whole country on Auto Trader. Oh, really? Still sold it, you know? Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> because Mister Fort, you know, has premium car. He knows, you know, when when the market is high on some stuff, and and that car was never going to get sold locally. He knew yeah. that. In, as a matter of fact, he went to the Bahamas. So went to a collector yeah. who appreciates it <laughs> exactly for sure. Well, I don't know. The F one hundred and fifty Lightning is definitely a unique vehicle. I would love to see one in real life. I might, might even look into test driving one. I think it'd be kind of a, it's a, to me. It's a novelty. I, I don't. But it would be a purpose car for somebody like you. I mean, how yeah. much do you actually drive, and and yeah. for what you need. If it went to Chicago and back on the weekend, that might be the most you ever expect out of it. Exactly. Yeah, for the morning commute or something, it'd be perfect. And uh, you'd still get that truck capability and to some extent. Now, you're not going to tow a, uh, a fifth wheel across the country with it. No, you're not, asinine, unless you're but... super patient and you have all the time <laughs> off in the world. I've got two months off. I'm on sabbatical. Yeah, right. <laughs> someday, someday. All right, so shifting gears here, uh, still in national news, uh, something that just came across the wire today, and this is kind of a little like a personal thing. but uh, Yeah, I'm going to let you read this one because I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, this dude. So there's a guy in uh, in, the, in the Chevy circle, and anybody who's into old Chevys, uh, any kind of new stuff too, they probably know about him. Chevrolet, the brand, knows about this guy. Pinky Randall. Pinky's a nickname, of course. I love old guys' nicknames, yeah. right? This guy's name is Merle, but Pinky Randall. What's that? Turn your mic. Uh, turn my mic. Pinky Randall is his name. He's a lifelong resident of uh, Houghton Lake, Michigan. Or I'm probably saying that wrong, but I think it's Houghton Lake. <laughs> um, he he was kind of known as Mister Chevrolet. He passed away this uh, this week at the age of 94, and uh, down in Pensacola, Florida. But he was a, a UP guy. And a grocery store executive, ran grocery stores, and I think he was in a marketing for a little bit. He's a really cool guy. The reason he's called Mr. Chevrolet is because he started collecting cars in the 40s. <laughs> wow. That's right. He's a World War II vet, served our country in World War II and Korea. And he uh, he was into old Chevys. His first first car was a 32 Chevy, and he uh, he bought one after the war and kind of spruced it up. And then he just started going crazy and collecting pretty much everything with a Chevy badge on it. Um, I mean, license plate toppers to pencils to dealership stuff to parts and then, of course, cars. So he had – at one point, he had like 200 cars in his collection. I think he whittled it down to like he's 40. Like, he's like the Jay Leno of Chevrolets. Very much. And uh, technical guy too. He knew his history. He knew – you know, he had one of – before Chevrolet became Chevrolet, there was other little ventures and there was cars called like the Little and the Amboy. Uh, there were all kinds of weird stuff like in the – like I'm talking like 1911. <laughs> before before it all happened. And he had those in his collection. I mean, he was one of those guys. He could tell you everything. I actually got to meet this dude. He passed away. I was just going to ask if you met him. Yeah. Because you are a known Chevy apologist. Yes, yes, yes. He would show up at like the big anniversary meets like in Springfield. They have big anniversary meets. They have anniversary meets every year. But then every five years, there's a giant one. And it's like one for the whole country, not a big regional one. So they had one in Springfield in 2001. I think he was there. Um, I met him, I believe he was at the Door County meet, which is close to his 
stomping ground up in the UP. Okay. You could just take a little ferry boat over from Ludington and go to sure. Door County. And I had uh, – I drove – my wife and I drove uh, Oscar 47 Chevy up there. Drove it like, you know – Dude, that's awesome. 1,500 miles there and back. Whatever. How long ago was that? A couple of years? 2015. Okay. And You've had uh, Oscar that long? I've had him since 2011. Yeah. Wow. And it was great. The car didn't miss a beat. It drove great. But it's an original car, so it's it's not pretty. And, of course, all his stuff was pristine, totally yeah. restored, like high dollar, right? So we were talking. I got to meet him and stuff. We were, and he's like, oh, that's a neat old car. I love your old fleet line, blah, blah, blah. Nice original. He's like, it'll be nice one day when you restore it. <laughs> it was one of those like, hey, screw you, Pinky. Yeah. It's so funny because that's the generation though. His, 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 he, he was of that mindset. If you have something old – Fix like, it up. There's no such thing as unrestored patina. Yeah. Like fix it up. Get it painted. No, and I there was a logic to that back in the day, right? Sure. And when you go when you go to the car shows now, I mean they they judge everything on how pristine it is, right? Exactly. And, and none of that can be original. Right. If you have an older car, you had to gut that thing and redo everything. Replate the chrome, redo yeah. all of it. So Definitely cool guy, and he appreciated all things, and uh, he will be missed. Everybody in the vintage Chevrolet Club or any vintage Chevy circle uh, has great memories of the guy. So kudos kudos to him and for, for and being a great ambassador for the hobby for like forever. I mean, obviously, and, and for his service to the country too, World War II and Korea. Great guy. All right. Well, cheers to you, Pinky. <laughs> hey, on local news – it can't all be Rivian, folks. It's got to be something about car thefts going on in Peoria. <laughs> and this is from WMBD News. It's our local uh, CBS affiliate. Peoria's growing car theft problem and how to avoid being a victim. This is by Shad Nam Dinesh. And this is from uh, December 21st. Peoria resident Frederick Leathers, his black Chevy was stolen from his home early Monday morning just off Sterling Avenue. Sterling Avenue stretches all across town, so it's hard to say what part of town that was. But anyway... I came back to pour my coffee, and I was seeing someone pull out of my driveway with my vehicle, he said. Leathers said he left. <laughs> he says he's left with feeling stunned and deprived. He bought the car just a year and a half ago. It kind of shocked me because no one ever walks around the neighborhood. Nobody's ever in the neighborhood, Leathers said. Something was taken from me, something that I worked hard to pay for. Auto theft investigator Brian Terry said almost 600 cars have been stolen from Peoria just this year alone, and that's 250 more than last year. It's completely at random. It could range from anything to a 10- to 15-year-old car that's left running or a brand-new car that's left running, he said. Terry said it's not an organized group, but some 20-some teenagers who've taught others how to steal cars. He said the teens drive them until they wreck them, often resulting in a totaled vehicle. And guess what? This is exactly what we mm. saw with the Supra last year. So yeah. still going on, unfortunately. Uh, I I live in the country, Daryl. Yeah. And I don't worry about this stuff. But <laughs> is, is somebody who lives in town, I mean, you got everything under lock and key at the Scott Auto Museum? Yeah, and I always have. Yeah. I mean, that's just not where I grew up. My wife grew up in the country, and to her it was – Having to lock stuff at night, car doors or house doors, yeah. that's a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we have for years. And thankfully, nobody's – the only thing somebody's ever done uh, both here and when we lived in Indiana was was go through the console for change or for – you know, if you left a wallet or something in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and thankfully, nothing got damaged. But it was one of those things where you just – you feel violated. I could not imagine what it would be like having your car stolen. And I leave my stuff running. Like I started up in the morning and the, the super was pretty offensive when it happened. I was, I I'll be honest, with you, I was just like, and I hadn't even really become attached to that car. But when it, ha- it was, it was personal. Yeah, you, you know? get you, it's it's like some member of your family. You know, um, I will say this: six hundred cars in a 
community that's uh, you know 120 ish thousand people. Doesn't seem like that much. It doesn't seem like that much, but it, it also is in this day and age where you have every car built in the last ten years has got some sort of factory anti theft. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's much easier to steal a car now, though, for some reason, and I don't know why. I don't know why that is. People are stupider. <laughs> is it because the, well he mentioned in the article here that the police officer leaving cars running? Well, I mean, you run for, into Casey's. For eons or? we've left our. I mean, I walk into Casey's, I leave the car running. I, I warm up my car in the morning for ten minutes. And if you live in the middle of town and you left your car running because you're getting warmed up, sounds like what this guy was doing. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, somebody's just gonna be like, oh, cars running, hop in it. And yeah. and and these teenagers have had no retribution at all because they can't they can't charge them or anything. No, they they have to. Give them a strongly worded, you know. You know. I'll give them a talking to. Yes, and then or they go to the juvenile detention center, JDC. They don't even do that. They don't they, do that. There's they, nothing. Those places there. are full. They're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. So. so if you do steal a car, you're probably not going to get anything but a slap on the wrist if you're under 17. But at some point, those folks are going to transition into doing other things. That I think is kind of one of those gateway things. It's either initiation or to prove you're bad or to prove whatever or just because you're bored. Um, that's usually not not a good path to be on. But for the average person, lock your stuff at night. Keep your stuff shut off even if you're running into something um, and especially if you're on a road trip. There's a lot of people that pass <laughs> through town yeah. and stuff always happens at a gas station, a rest area, a so Walmart parking when you, lot. When you pump gas and you have to go inside and yeah. go to the bathroom or something like that, do you lock the car? All the time. Okay. I do too. And I always feel like I'm like, ugh. I, I, <laughs> I locked my car. I locked the truck in your driveway. I'm what? Like, Nobody's going to steal anything here. It's just habit. That's what my mother-in-law does when she comes does to my she? house. I'm like, why do you lock your car? She's like, you need the keys to get in my car. I'm like, why do you do that? She goes, that, you know, it's not safe. It's, it's habit. Up. Yeah. <laughs> she works in downtown Peoria, though, like you. Yeah. So maybe anyone. Yeah, you get used to it. Yeah. Daryl, you ready for this? It's been, a, it's been a long is, time. It's is, been at least a couple weeks. Is that time? It is. It, it, he's back. It's time for your moment of must. Oh, Elon. Wow. Elon Musk has a brilliant hiring strategy, and he uses two-hand tests instead of degrees. Daryl, you wear this? No, no. This is according to Inc. Magazine, and at Kelly Main, I'm sorry, she's one of the writer advisors at Inc. Magazine, Elon famously discredits traditional education as means of fielding and finding the top talent, saying that college is basically for... So I guess it's right. College is basically for fun and not for learning. And while businesses across the nation rely on academic degrees as a tool for finding talent, Musk holds to his conviction that skills matter more than degrees. Number one, first-hand experience. Though there's much debate surrounding the experience versus education for Musk, it's not simply that experience matters more than education. Rather, experience is a form of education, and in many ways, it's the best education. In fact, a report from the Association of American Colleges and Universities inadvertently proves Musk's theory. Oh, they inadvertently accidentally agreed with Elon. And that is your moment of Musk. Ooh, he's testing you, Daryl. <laughs> College is for fun, not for learning. Did, did you, I mean, <laughs> that's a... That's a quote that some of my friends had. They didn't make it through college, by the way. <laughs> Those same friends. Just, just I mean, observation. Um, I don't know. I mean, we actually we've been dealing a lot lately with uh, with the, the uh, vocational aspects mm. of school. I, I, I've I've had a lot of conversations lately about vocational. So I, I wonder if Elon is. Uh, I, I, 
I would love to have a conversation with him about vocational school and see where he where he falls on that. He, who knows? He might be the next Mike Rowe in disguise. He might be. He just doesn't have that folksy demeanor. No, he definitely yeah. doesn't have that. Uh, I mean, I've heard stories about him firing people just at, on on a whim, walking mm. through a, a Tesla dealership and stuff like that. So, I can't imagine he's a whole lot of fun as far as determining people's value. You know, going through testing and stuff like that. But I will give him credit. Uh, you know, you just don't hire a bunch of people with MBAs and say, "Okay, you can work for me." Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I also like the whole thing about yeah the interview, uh, the interview process. Interviews. I feel like the interview process in general needs to change. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, I, I talked about this in my la- the last episode. I go out and look at the person's car. You know, when, I, when I hire somebody, you, you can tell. I can tell everything I need to know. I, you know, just you know, walk around the car. Let's talk about it. You're going to come into the car business. So, I mean, I think the interview should really, actually, it almost be like uh, cars, comedians and cars and coffee. Yeah, let's take a drive in your car and tell me about your car. Sure and, yeah, and then I'll decide if I want you to work for me or not because I'm a I'm a car guy, right? Yeah. If you want to be a technician, let's talk about that wheel bearing that needs to be replaced. <laughs> And the three check engine lights and everything else lit up like Christmas on your dashboard. Oh, um, by the way, the cigarette butt's all over the place, right? Yeah, I think that goes with the territory. Yeah. Uh, you got some gears to be ground? Mm. Has, it been, has it been a week, my friend? It's only Tuesday, but has it been a week? I had one. I'm going to make this really short and sweet. And right. I upset a customer today, but uh, it is what it is. Um, she came in. She came in uh, a couple months ago, and her wipers weren't working right on her old Forerunner. And uh, they were just like spontaneously going off, spontaneously. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And uh, uh, my, my master tech, Drew, had looked at it and had done some initial checks. She didn't want to dig too deep into it, but from everything it looked like, it looked like the switch was bad. Okay. So we said, listen, the switch is 300 bucks. It'd be you know, an hour and a half uh, to put the sucker in. And, uh, and she's like, eh, I don't want to do anything. And then two months later, she calls up and orders the part. Okay. And so she comes in, we put the part in, doesn't fix it. Hmm. Matter of fact, uh, <laughs> we're not sure what's going on because now it becomes deeper and deeper. And she says, oh, and I, and I said, listen, as we get into this, it looks like the vehicle's been in an accident. Oh, yeah, my dad wrecked it before he gave it to me, but it's been put back together. Oh, okay. All right, well, that helps. Yeah. And she goes, well, it's not done yet. You guys told me to be done. Gave her a loaner car. She's fine. She's out there. Um, I said, well, listen, here's the deal. I gave you an estimate for a repair with this wiper motor to fix this problem, this spontaneous wiper. You don't want to drive down the road and have spontaneous wipers just yeah, going off all the time. Yeah. Uh, and the estimate was, let's just say it was $500. I will honor that $500 price, but I don't know where this is going. You know, mm-hmm. we have to dig around the wires. Anytime you get into wire harness repairs. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we end up finding out all kinds of broken wires all the way through. The front end had been uh, rebuilt on Pretty this Pretty bad. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And when it came down to it, we redid wiring up around the uh, the front bumper, down by the wiper washer motor, okay. uh, the the pump. That apparently that pump, if it's if it's shorting out, will make the wipers go off because it, it it's senses. like a mist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and so I spent. We had the dash torn out of this thing. She came in there and looked at her car. She saw the dash torn out of it. Uh, we took the. We took the wiper motor out because there is also a resistor in the wiper motor. That'll do it. Yeah. Okay. So we took that motor. We swapped that motor out with Tree Hugger. Yeah. 1.0. Uh, I have one day of one technician literally spending nothing but time on that car. The master tech you know, was over there as well, uh, double-checking all the – and opening everything. And then eventually, once he figured out it had been wrecked, he starts – Pulling apart wire harnesses and start you know start checking wires, check for broken wires, found broken wires, fix that, got it put back together. 
I honored the five hundred dollar estimate. And I told her on the phone, I said, Listen, here's how this conversation could go. You have extensive damage going on there. We're gonna sort out the problem, but ultimately I'm not gonna charge you more than what we gave you an estimate for. That's fair. That, that, that's what's gonna happen here. Yeah. So and she acted like she understood it. Well, when she came in tonight to pick up the car, she goes, Well, why are you still charging me for that part? And I thought to myself, you know what I should have done is I should have just taken that part off of it and just honored the estimate total. Yeah. I should have said it was gonna be five hundred dollars and, and not even had that part on the ticket. But I left it, the part on there. She goes, you didn't use it. It wasn't bad. I'm like, listen, once I took it out of the bag, I, I, can't, return I can't return it anyway. Yeah. But she's like, well, then why are you charging me for it? I'm like – We're going to nickel and dime. Yeah. He yeah. spent yeah. – your tech spent yes. hours. And she, and she made the comment. She goes, that that part was only two screws to put that in. Oh. And that, that got me. I'm going like, to go ahead and trivialize uh, your yeah, work yeah, and yeah, skill. But, and so I was – and it was fine. Okay, I get it. You're a layman. You don't understand what goes into this. You don't understand what eight hours of a technician screwing around with your car, what productivity that lost in my shop. Mm-hmm. There was 10 other cars we could have probably worked on that day, but your car was in there clogging things up because your car was in a collision years ago, and now it's my fault. Right. <laughs> I have to work on it. Yeah. But she didn't divulge – if she would have divulged that in the beginning – and she was well. She was upfront with it about you know after we figured out that this wasn't going to fix it. Yeah. But like I said, and I said I'll honor the estimate. I'll honor the five hundred dollars estimate. Oh, Realistically, she should have been fifteen hundred dollars, and it should have gone back to the insurance company for the repairs. You know, yeah. we, we didn't get into all that. And she still she's like, well, I have two cars I bring here. I'll have to think twice about it in the future. I'm like, okay, that, I'm sorry. I'm yep. sorry you feel that way. Have a nice day. That's yep. exactly where I left it because I'm, I'm like, listen, you obviously don't understand. Hopefully, you went home and talked to some people and said, yeah, my car was in a wreck. And they, they fixed it, but they still charge me for this part. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. It's it's you, further you oh, go in the rabbit hole, oh, you're like, oh, this is a mess. I was like, I was done. Listen, kudos listen. for getting it fixed and getting it out the door, though. Yeah, I was, I, and that was my thing. I told the technician, I said, I don't care what it takes. You get this thing done. You mm-hmm. get it fixed. And uh, I don't. I could, you know, what I could have done. I could have taken the part out and said, listen, lady, the part didn't fix it. If you want to go and fix it, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. How would that have gone? Right. Yeah. That would have gone swimmingly. <laughs> Swimmingly. <laughs> anyway, so it's just, it just two bolts. And then she did say, it's good experience for your technician. And that's about when I wanted to leap out of my skin yeah. and maybe have an assault charge. Late, you know. That's right. Good experience for your technician. Cool. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Have a nice day. Well, let me, have you, let me tell you about experience as a human being. Yeah. Uh, you're failing that task. In the meantime, what I normally do in the situation like Daryl, I go to Cars of the Week. Because what I like to do, Daryl, is I like to I like to drift off into the dream world. I like to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tune out these horrible customers, and I'm going to go online. I'm going to find a car that would satiate my needs to just get away. It could be just like some old classic Eldorado convertible that I saw in a Tarantino movie. Sure, yeah. yeah, I could just peel out of the dealership and just do a smoke show in front of her car, be like, and and maybe give her a, a hand wave maybe one finger and just say have a nice day and I'd find that car online and I'd go to Facebook Marketplace I'd go to bring a trailer which I don't know if you saw this had record sales last year it did it did and I might find this car and I might show it to my wife say honey this is the car that we're going to drive down to Terra del Fuego in because that's what Christians no that was actually that was uh, night and day you ever seen that movie yes yes, yeah, 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 I think, good. what car were they driving down to the southern tip I couldn't even tell you yeah Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise they had a classic Nova? It was like a muscle car. Yeah, yeah it was a muscle car. Anyway, my wife and I are going to blow out of town, and we're going to get a classic car, and we're going to dream about it. But guess what, Daryl? It's never going to happen because that's Cars of the Week. Cars of the Week where we dream of cars we're never going to buy, but we keep looking anyway. We do. It's our dream. Daryl, I'm going to let you go first. You got something that doesn't 
look normal for you. It's totally weird, yeah. Uh, the dream is still alive here. This My pick this week is, is weird. It just popped up. I was looking at, I don't know, Omni GLHs or some other weird thing. And this thing came up. It's a 1956 Packard Clipper, like Clipper ship. Um, and this thing is up in Oswego, I believe, up in the western suburbs of That's Illinois. It's in your old stomping grounds, right? Uh, yeah, it's a little further, but thirteen grand is the asking price. It's on the old Facebook marketplace. Ooh, this is this is in your wheelhouse. This. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this thing actually, it's the I think Packard folded in '58. So this is the tail end of the quote real Packards. Should like, I call George Barris? You should. You should. 57 and 58 Packards are more like Studebakers. They got smaller and weirder. So this thing is actually kind of the last of the Mohicans, if you will. It's uh, considered a true survivor. It's a big original green on green on green. It's real dark emerald green. It shows a black here, but it's a beautiful dark green. Straight 8. I'm sorry, a V8. 327 V8. Not like the Chevy, but but, but Packard. Uh, and it has like the old lady um, clear plastic seat covers, the real thick vinyl ones. Nice. Oh, it looks – somebody's grandpa had this thing or grandma and took real good care of it. I don't know who's got it now, but they said they uh, um, went through, did a new fuel pump, water pump, had the carb serviced, and this thing is a great driver. And I believe it. It's a four-door. So if you like hard tops or convertibles, you know, you're a little snazzier, this isn't for you. This is for the uh, the person who likes the grandpa car. And I, I would love to give this thing a new home. Thirteen grand seems like a bargain for something like this. It does actually. Chrome's all great. Glass is great. Interior is great. There's one little armrest that has some wear on it, but what's, that's what's about a it. windshield cost on something like this at Pilkington, um, probably. Which I think is the only place that you can get glass for these old ones like this. Probably about twelve hundred. Oh man, maybe more. It's ridiculous. So yeah, I like to find stuff that's in pretty nice original shape, and this is no exception. Um, I don't know. It, it, so when I first saw it, it looks Italian. I mean, the the headlights mm-hmm. and that front bumper. And I can't tell the size of the car from the picture, so maybe it is a big body. Yeah, it's a good US. size. Okay, so yeah. but uh, the, the the lines are gorgeous on it. Yeah, very pretty car. And Russia, Russia actually, I believe, was the Chaika limousine, which is the the old. If you look at old Cold War, like Khrushchev getting out of a limousine, yeah, at, at, like going to a summit. Uh, they look like these, and that's because the Russians love these cars. They actually <laughs> took these. Somebody uh, somehow got their Damn hands Russians. on a fifty-five or six Packard, and they uh, they cloned it, reverse engineered it, and that's what the Chaika limousine is. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting little piece of history there. But neat that's car, my pick. Neat car, and I love the big open mouth on it. Looks like it's a uh, whale just getting ready to <laughs> grab some krill. It totally does. <laughs> you went down the other spectrum here. Oh, you got this did, one. Did okay. you see it? Did, did you see it? Yes, yes, it yes. Popped up. It's local. So, oh, I got so excited, and this actually popped up on my radar earlier this week. And then when I went to Facebook Marketplace again today before the show, it popped up again. I'm like, oh, mamacita. This is a totally hot 2008 Saturn Sky Redline Roadster two-door. It's $20,000. And I'm scrolling down here because I think it's in Metamora, isn't it? Yeah, it's local. Mm -hmm. I think Steve Brown probably knows this guy because it's a 2008. It's 80,000 miles, manual transmission. It's a cool race car. It's got numbers all over it. It's a lemons car, but here's what they've done. It's a 2008 Saturn Sky with a Chevy Colorado bed and roof. <laughs> it was built for endurance racing. It's ran several lemons races and no expense was spared in building this car. Uh, it, it came from Las Vegas. It's got a drivetrain of uh, 22,000 miles on it. It's got an 80K 
AY6 transmission. See, here's my biggest problem with this car, Daryl. And this may be the first time ever in the history of the show I chose Picked a GM. A GM. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, it's it's got awesome seats. It's got rape equip rape <laughs> race equip <laughs> lock belts. It's got AEM dash. I don't even know what that means. It's got uh, all kinds of cool stuff. It's got a cage built in it. But I'm gonna tell you this: when you look at this car, it's got. The way the the lines of the roof line up with the uh, the Colorado bed on the back, somebody's done an excellent job on this car. And now Lemons is known to have flippant little mm-hmm. little themes, and somebody's gone the extra mile. Twenty thousand dollars for this car may seem a lot for a race car, but when you see the quality, um, the, unfortunately, I don't think Miss Stahl will see the quality. She, she wouldn't one. buy in that. No, I don't no. think so. And uh, but man, it, if this guy if this guy had taken a Tacoma. In a Corolla and married them together, I could probably get the forts to buy. I was gonna say it'd be in it'd be in somebody's <laughs> garage right now. It would be. It's it's killer looking. I um, great line. Somebody shared this. I'm a sucker for a race car like this. This this is the great job. It's purpose built and it's funky and weird. And I if you rolled into a Cars and Coffee with this thing, yes, people would not leave you alone for five hours. No, you you're right. Leave. No, I no. As a matter of fact, I would be I'd be more horse than Steve Brown at a Cars and Coffee. So you know who needs to buy this. Steve Brown. Absolutely. It's yeah. a Saturn. It's he, a know, truck. he has to know whoever this is. Absolutely. He's probably driven the thing. <laughs> it's actually the best of both worlds for him, and this is what he needs to do his next oh, cannibal. And he running. could drive it across the country, and then when people call him in, say he's speeding, they can't identify the car. What is it? Well, it makes a, no sense. It's a half car, it's a, half It's plane. a Saturn truck. Sir, have you been drinking? There are no Saturn <laughs> trucks. No, I swear to God, it was a Saturn truck. It was a pickup truck, and it was a Saturn. <laughs> it passed me like I was standing still. <laughs> Middle of Oklahoma, two in the morning. So, Steve, you you have your mission. Should you choose to accept it, yes. you need to buy this vehicle. I'm sure Margie'd be all over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she wants nothing but the best for him. She wants him to be safe. She was scared in the last car he drove that he wouldn't be safe. So, you had to buy a nicer. This one. car is much nicer. Yeah. I think you know, instead of spending two thousand dollars on a car, you spend twenty. And on that note, yes, I think you've come to the end of another Throwing Wrenches <laughs> podcast. <laughs> thanks again for all you normal subscribers, and uh, thanks for sharing the show all around the world. We do appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, shoot us something. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a review on iTunes, or let us know uh, what you'd like to see on the show. Info at com, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.